Ecclesiastes 9.11 reads, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Time and chance happen to them all. It's important for us to understand that the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes wrote from the perspective of a human being. That's why he says, when he starts, I have seen something under the sun. How things look from a human perspective is so different to the way they look from a God perspective. Even the way life looks and the way life works out. And he's talking about this anomaly that you find in life that even if you find people who might be speedy or swift, they may not win the race. And you find when a battle is engaged, it, it's not the strong that win. Or even wise people who are knowledgeable, who honestly should be making ends meet. If anything else, they should be self-sustainable you find sometimes even if you have the wisdom and the knowledge, they are not making any progress of their life. And you'll find that those who are brilliant don't get wealth, and even the learned are not loved so much. He says, this is confusing. <laughs> How come in life it looks like the things that should come to people don't come to them? You work hard, but you don't get the fruit of your labor. You do what's right, but the outcome of your life is just so different. So, you know, under the sun, really this... It's very confusing. He said, but with all that said and done, there's one thing that becomes an equalizer. Time and chance. He says, if you look at these contradictions in life, like you're working hard, you're not getting the fruit of your labor. You're doing what's right, you're not getting things back. You're praying. It's like God's not answering your prayers. You, you're doing everything that's it's not working. He said, Mara, if you look over the long haul, somehow things self-correct because of time and chance. And not only that, let me add another element. When you look from a God perspective, if you were to look at the ministry of somebody like Jeremiah, who when he got the call of God, rushed into ministry with all his heart, and he preached his heart out, and as a young leader, who was expecting things to work out, and for people to respond, when he preached, they took him, they threw him in oil, in boiling oil. They took him, they persecuted him, they did all kinds of things until Jeremiah got to a point when you read in the book of Jeremiah, one day he comes before God, he says, God, you deceived me. You lied to me. You called me into ministry and I was expecting people to listen to what I'm saying because I came in your name. Mara, you didn't tell me that these people are going to burn me. 
You deceived me. And Jeremiah is so melancholic. He feels like dying. He says, cursed be the day on which I was born. Cursed be everything. And cursed be the person who announced my birth. But he's doing that because he's in a certain stage of his life. He thinks that's the end of life. And yet when you read Jeremiah, as you move on, he realizes even if the race is not for the swift, even if good things don't come to everybody, if you know how to use time and chance. And so as you read further in the book of Jeremiah, you hear him now saying, God, your mercies are new every morning. (laughs) He's saying even if today can be messed up, when tomorrow the day rises, it's a brand new day. And then it talks to God. It says, great is your faithfulness. I've seen in all of this that even if life may be throwing out contradictions, if I know how to leverage time and chance, life will move on. So this verse tells us that even if life works the way it works, there's one thing we all have that is the equalizer is time and chance. And if you know how to use time and chance, no matter what you're going through right now in your life, you're going to come out the other side as more than a conqueror. Am I talking to more than conquerors this morning? Adam Clark, when he comments about this verse, says, and I quote, when the Bible says the race is not to the swift, It means it is not by swiftness nor by strength and valor that races are gained and battles won. God causes the lame often to take the prey, to take the prize. And so God works that the weak overthrow the strong so that no man can have confidence in themselves. However, In spite of all that, God gives everybody time. And the word for time there is the Hebrew word it, double E-T. And that word it means opportunity. And the word for chance is the Hebrew word W-A-P-E-G-A. W-A-P-A-G-A. And it means incidents or occurrence. He says time and chance happens to them all, which means this. Every human being has what we call time and space to act on it. And every human being is given opportunity by God. And if they will allow themselves to take advantage of the opportunity, in spite of the incident that may come, incident is pitfalls, challenges. In spite of the occurrence that may happen, occurrence that means frustration. Even if you may get frustrated for a while, you may get delayed for a while, if you know how to use time and chance, at the end, things will work out by the grace of God. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. And so this verse is a very important verse in telling us that in time and opportunity, where there's incident that we may fall in, Whether it's occurrence, that must frustrate us. We must weigh this thing seriously because all of us, there are four things that belong to every human being. 
time, opportunity, incident, which is pitfalls, and occurrence, which is frustrations. And he's warning us, or he's admonishing us, that by the grace God has given to us, we must learn how to use time. Because attached to the time you have, there's opportunity. Here you are this morning in church. Here you are watching on television, watching on social media, streaming from another church. You didn't know you'd be here today. There are those who didn't wake up this morning. So what you have now is time. Not through your own doing, not through your own working, it's time. And all of us, God has been fair. He has given all of us 24 hours today. In the 24 hours, every hour has 60 minutes. And every minute has 60 seconds. We are all equal. Nobody is disadvantaged in that regard. Mara, the question is, in this time that you've been given, how are you going to interact with the opportunity that God gives you? And he says, that's what makes all the difference in the world. And so this leads me to the title of my message and the theme for this month, the gift of opportunity. I've realized that opportunity is a gift because it's not guaranteed. It's a gift because even time is not guaranteed. You are not guaranteed to be here. Like we've realized, during COVID, all kinds of people passed on. It didn't leave out the rich. It didn't leave out medical people, even people who are specialists in the very disease. So that we are here, we can only thank God we can't pat ourselves on the back that we have this time to be here it must be a message to us that God is saying I've given you time but attached to that time I'm going to give you opportunity and the question is will you use opportunity now the word opportunity is a very interesting word how it was derived and how it came about. So some of you young people over here, is the word etymology. So we want to look at the etymology of the word opportunity. The root word for opportunity is the word opportune. And the word opportune is from the Latin word opportunus, spelled O-P-P-O-R-T-U-N-U-S. And that Latin word means favorable. Listen carefully, Basilan. That word is from the phrase opportum venience. The expression opportum, it talks about coming to a port and in reference to the wind. Listen carefully. So we have several elements in the word opportunity. We have the wind, we have the ship, we have the port. So the word opportunity, therefore, is from the word, the word op, which means two or two words, and the word portas, which is the word harbor. So this word is a word that the mariners and the sailors would use quite often. It signified that 
the wind changed its direction and started to blow towards the port or the harbor. Ship in these days had sails that didn't have engines. And therefore they would use wind to be driven around. Now because the wind is unpredictable, it blows where it listeth in the words of Christ. And when the wind blows, it also affects the waves, how calm they are, how still the sea is. So when the sea is rough, you can't go to port. When the weather is not great, you can't dock at the port to offload cargo, for instance. So it was imperative for the sailor, especially the captain, to always keep watch on these things. To make sure he knows where the wind is blowing. And if the wind is blowing in a favorable direction, then they can steer the ship so that it can dock at the harbor. But because the wind is unpredictable, you didn't guarantee that moment. And when that moment came, you couldn't have the luxury of postponing. Because if you postpone, if the weather decides to change, you miss the opportunity. And when you miss the opportunity, you don't know when the weather is going to get back to normal. It may take a day, it may take a week, it may take a month. It may never happen. Because when opportunity presented itself, you didn't take hold of it. In fact, we are told that in the early days before there were harbors, before harbors were built, the captains would always look for a place to park and unload. And they would deliver cargo at specific places. And the sailors, therefore, had to wait for the waves and watch the winds so that as the ship is coming into the right spot and at the right time, they could unload the cargo. So for this, they used that word opportunity. And the word opportunity therefore described the moment when time and tide converged. In your life, there are moments when time and tide converge for the ship to get underway. So the captain and the crew waited for this precise moment when the tide was right because if they missed the opportunity, as they called it, they would have to stay there and wait there another turn for another tide and another time to converge. And this could take any time from a day to more than years. And so the captain and the crew, watch this, were always alert, waiting, watching with anticipation. And as soon as the tide was right, the captain would run around and shout, opportune, opportune, opportune. And when the sailors heard that, it didn't matter what they were doing, they would drop everything they were doing to run and unload because they understood the announcement of opportunity was more important than anything else. If they had to leave friends and leave other agendas, the pace of what they do was determined by the time and the tide. 
And they understood if they don't act timelessly, if they don't do it hastily, if they don't do it at that time, they could miss the opportunity. The problem with opportunity is very often, once missed, it never comes back. And what's even more, once you missed it, it may change the rest of your life moving forward. Because now they have to stay there at the port without unloading. Even some of the cargo they had, if it was food, it would go to waste. They'd have to throw it out. Just imagine not responding correctly. Just one minute of not responding correctly can give you so much loss. And that's what the verse is saying. To every one of us, time and chance. And my question to you today is how much are you leveraging? The opportunity that God has given you now that you have time. Unfortunately, people don't understand how critical that is. Jesus, our Lord, understood how critical this was. In John chapter 9, Note something. <clears throat> I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, now as Jesus passed by, somebody say passed by. Let me hear you. Let me hear you, church. Come on, GBC, let me hear you. Come on, shout it. Say it again. I'm doing that on purpose. I want to show you what we're about to read. Right? Jesus, when I pitted, he was passing by. He, 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 what we're going to read about his interaction with this man, he tells us from the start, Jesus wasn't going to this guy. He was passing. <laughs> As Jesus was passing by, note, he saw a man who was blind from birth. It wasn't Jesus' mission to heal the brother. It wasn't going to him. He was passing by. When you understand what I'm preaching, you'll know that God's miraculous working doesn't present itself with bells and whistles. That God's miraculous working can come when you are doing the ordinary mundane thing. And they even did not look spiritual those moments. You were just going about by your regular thing. But in the regular thing is the miraculous thing. Yeah. That, that's why, you know, we need to teach Christians to be committed to their spiritual disciplines. There are things that we do because they are part and parcel of what we do as Christians. We read the Bible, we pray, we go to church, we tithe, we live right, we do that. We're not doing that to get a miracle. We're not doing it to get anything. We are just doing it because that's the regular, mundane, everyday. But inside of that regular, mundane, everything is the miracle. 
There are days when you came to church. Most probably you woke up late. You were in a bad mood. You didn't come to church and you came in church. And when you sat there, you heard the word that revolutionized the rest of your life. When you woke up in the morning and left foot, there was no sign that that day was a miraculous day because the miraculous are hidden in the mundane and the ordinary. Jesus was passing by. He was passing by. And that's why it's so bad, Barcelona, to see these Christians who are so obsessed with wanting to swing from one branch of miracle to the other. And they want to exaggerate their life. They want to fast track and fast forward miraculous things. Eat grass, drink petrol, do all kinds of funny things. Because they're trying to force God's hands to bring in time and chance. But they don't understand that time and chance is bound up in the everyday, regular, ordinary things. Jesus was passing by. And note what happens. As he's passing by, his disciples ask him a question. Remember, Jesus is passing. He's not going to this guy. Wafit. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? <laughs> who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And at that moment, Jesus realizes this is a golden opportunity for me to use this moment as a teachable moment. I was just passing by. There was nothing spectacular about the moment. It was just an ordinary moment. But I realized time and tide have converged. I see opportunity to teach the greatest lesson and to perform the greatest thing. And so Jesus takes this moment and takes advantage of it. Because when opportunity comes, it doesn't come to pause. It comes to pass. And when opportunity comes, you've got to seize this and take hold of it. Because if you don't take hold of it, it will pass. So Jesus at this time pauses and says to his disciples, Neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but that the work of God should be revealed in him. And then he makes the most powerful statement. I must work the works of God. Was it is still day? For the night comes when no man can work. If there is a verse on opportunity, that is the verse. We know later on, Jesus healed this man. He healed the man. Mara, he wasn't going there to heal the man. He was passing by. But when you read the chronology of events, six months after this event, Jesus was crucified on the cross. So had he not healed this man at that time? Had he not grabbed hold of opportunity when it presented itself? Because opportunity doesn't announce when it comes. Mara, when it comes, when you have eyes to see, you stop your direction, you stop your agenda, you stop everything you do, and you grab it. And Jesus says, hey, I've got to do the works of God while it's still, still day. When I'm still here, I'm going to do the works of God and get this guy to be healed because the night is coming when no man can work. When he uses the word night, it's not night in a sense of evening. 
It's night in the sense that when opportunity has passed. And when it says day, it's not day in terms of daylight or day. It's day in terms of opportunity. Jesus is saying, if you wait too long, when opportunity is clearly at your door, there comes a time when you want to get back and recapture the opportunity. Mara, it's gone. Says, I've got to work the works of God. What is still day? What is Jesus telling us? Jesus is telling us that there's a precise work on earth that you have, that I have, which has been arranged and laid out for you and for me. Paul says, I'm reaching forth to apprehend what Christ has apprehended for me. I want to do everything that God has called me to do. Secondly, Jesus is telling us that each work you have has a precise time and precise place in the program of instruction. It has a time, it has space, but at that time is not endless. It has a sell-by date. And if you don't grab it, when it's on time, it expires. You come back a year later, it has expired. There's nothing you can do. Thirdly, he's showing us that as the spirit of work has a definite termination. So by letting anyone service pass by its allocated time, the whole of your life can be disarranged and driven beyond repair. Certain opportunities, when you let them pass by, you push your life so much back that the damage that happens with you not having taken opportunity may never be corrected. But as you'll hear me, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be talking about the God opportunity. There's four kinds of opportunity. One of them is the God opportunity. And the good thing with the God opportunity is that God somehow knows how to go back into a life driven beyond repair and press the reset button. Somehow God knows how to go into your life and reboot your life. Reprogram your life. Somehow God knows how to update your spiritual server and take out all the viruses. Can I hear a shout and an amen? But Jesus is saying, you've got to understand that when opportunity comes and you have time, don't postpone. I've seen sometimes people don't understand when you give them opportunity that opportunity sometimes is far more expensive and has more worth than money itself. That people can be so money-minded that when you give them an opportunity, it's not about badaling. It's about opportunity. By the grace of God, when my spiritual dad, I've got several spiritual fathers, one of them is Pastor Ray McCauley, when he gave me the opportunity to stand on the stage at Rema and preach, I didn't understand how that opportunity was going to change my life forever. Today, as you know, I have many dear friends around the world. One of them is Bishop Dark Hewitt Mills. I spoke to him in text message not long. 
And when I go to meet him, my life was never the same. Love him dearly. Kimona, our children are marrying each other. We've sent some of our people at that school. Just that one opportunity. How did he see me? Well, he saw me on a video when I was speaking at Rema, giving a testimony. I was not even preaching. And I was giving a testimony before Benihin's sermon. So he, was, he got the video to watch Benihin. Mara in the Benihin video was a Musaso or not there. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> I've thought about it. Many people I've met in my life. Bishop Chalo. So many incidents. I'll talk about some of them as we go along. The funny thing is, when Pastor Ray gave me an opportunity to give a testimony, it was just a testimony. How do you Why? Why Asariki Ray? Why must I be the curtain raiser who saw? But when you understand time and chance, you know that that one event of being there changes your life forever. Unfortunately, we are living in a time now where many of our people are so money obsessed. that They try to give them opportunity to invest something that is more than silver and gold. But they won't take it. Or you see people who say, I'm still young. I'll only start getting serious when I get older. Are you sure? Because you see, there comes a time sometimes when you, I don't know how to say it in English. The brain is together. But by the time the brain is together, you've messed up your life. You see, the problem with that is that God entrusts treasure to us and puts it in these earthen vessels, these bodies. These bodies that get old, they get weak with time. You may know what to do, you may be in the right frame of mind, but your body may not allow you anymore. So it's a foolish thing for you not to do what's right from the days of your youth. No wonder. Ecclesiastes 12 says, Thou shalt remember your creator in the days of your youth. And by the way, the youth are joining us as well. Give the youth a big hand. They're joining us in the, in the, in the, in this, in the gym, in the youth hall. So start when you are young. Because by the time you decide to take opportunity. You may know the right thing, but you may not have the vehicle. Several years ago, we, we took a sound system to one of the churches that we started in Harankua for some event, <coughs> which had happened in the week. And then we needed the sound system to be brought back because we were going to have an event on the weekend. So, we didn't have transport then, so we were, we were told about a certain old man who had a van, and, 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 and he could help us. So, we, we, we went and hired the van, and I remember it was a, a Muruti Kenneth Makopo. This is way back in, in uh, 1984, 83, 84. He had to go with this elderly man to go and pick up the sound system. So, you know, they left on, on Friday morning. I mean... 
Pretoria, Karanko is not far. I mean, you come back in one day. But the old man, Shem, his car was, was, was an old car. And it had problems. It was leaking oil. The tappets were loose. If you tried to push it at a certain speed beyond, I think, 60 kilometers per hour or 80, it would rattle and shake. And every two, three, four kilometers, five kilometers, he had to stop, open the bonnet, pour, top up the oil. Now you can imagine, you're driving at 60 k's per hour, you're going to Karankua, and you have to be stopping every now and then. I mean, I mean Karankua, you should be there in an hour and 30 minutes. But it took them the whole day. The whole day. Because now it's the oil, and then it's the water, and then it's the thing, then they must stop for the car to cool down. I mean, really, this car. It's a car. And, and, and remember, when it was new, it was not like that. It's old now. It's still the same car. It has all the features of a car, but now it has aged. So Muruti Kenneth became quite, what's the term I can use? Irritable and impatient. So when they finally arrived in Harangua, which is now in the evening, on Friday, into the early hours, they're driving back. Muruti Kenneth insisted that, no, Papa Kekupa could drive. <laughs> Him being an impatient young man who doesn't understand that the outward man has perished of this car. <laughs> he got behind the steering wheel and I had a spoon down. How many of you know what spoon down is? And you know what spoon down is? And the car was shaking, rattling and roaring. And finally, a few kilometers down the road, the engine came apart and seized. Here I am, I get a call now on Saturday at 9 o'clock that they are stuck. Kai Kai, not very far from Karankua, between Karankua and Pretoria. So then I went to a certain gentleman in our church, Ndadengakano used to be in our church, who had a brand new Honda Ballad. And I went to him and I said, look, we have this crisis, can you help me? We've got to get the sound system because we are having a service this afternoon. We got into the Honda Ballad and he drove at 140, 160 kilometers per hour. No coughing, no sfubalenta ramane. It's a new car. It's a new car. It can fulfill purpose at high speed. It can move at a high speed. And we got there. And when we finally got where Muruti Kenneth was, just give us the sound system. You remain with the car. You fix the car. I've got to go to the service. And we got back and we were at the service on time. When I thought about that, I thought, what a big difference. When you know what to do, but the vessel is not ready. And Paul says, we have this treasure. We have this anointing. We have this purpose. The only problem is God has put it in an earthen vessel. And if you don't do what's right, when time and chance presents itself, if you don't serve God when you are young, if you don't do it when you can, the time comes when you try to go into overdrive. You can't anymore. 
And I wonder the day you stand before God, what are you going to say about your life? Because God's not going to ask you about someone else. God's going to ask you, I gave you a healthy body. I gave you a strong mind. I gave you these gifts. I gave you talents. I gave you abilities. Most of all, I gave you time. And I presented opportunities. But you joked around. You made a fool out of me. God will look at you. So you were not faithful with what I gave you. And so as I close today, I'm going to close on a serious note. What are you going to do with time and chance this year? Are you going to fool around? Are you going to play around? Are you going to act like you don't know? Are you going to make excuses? Are you going to blame everybody else? Maybe you can convince us, but not with God. He will ask you, he made you, he created you, he knows you, he understands who you are. He will ask you. And that's my question to you. Time and chance happens to everyone. What are you going to do with the gift of opportunity in your life? Many people play with it. You know why we're here in church? To try as best as we can, by the grace of God, to appeal to some of you. Don't play with your life. Don't play with the time you have. There are people who are stronger than you, wiser than you, more gifted than you. They are not here. But you are still here. Are you going to assume the same posture? Are you going to have the same approach to 2022? Are you going to look at your time, your prayer life, your commitment to God, your serving of God? Are you going to have the same status? Are you going to be the same way? Are you going to say, I'm going to open my ears and listen to the voice of the Spirit when it cries, opportunity. But I won't wait for opportunity to come. I will prepare myself. I will look. I will watch. I will go on with my business every day. I will do the ordinary and the mundane. And I know I will bump into opportunity. And when I bump into opportunity, I will drop everything and everybody. And I will grab opportunity. Some of you, your decision today might be that opportunity. To decide I'm walking away from this crowd. I'm walking away from this group that's influencing me wrongly. I'm walking away from these voices that are deceiving me and lying to me. I'm walking away from trying to be accepted by the group. This is my year. This is my year. I said this is my year. I said this is my year. Come on, I said this is my year. This is my year where I drop off the foolish thing of childishness. This is my year where I'm not going to walk around with chicken. I want to soar like an eagle. This is my year where I want to grab opportunity. I don't want to live with the spirit of regret. This is my year. And that's why I want to call you to the altar today. Because one day you're going to Stand before God and God's going to press his heavenly recording system and rewind this message to you in heaven. And he'll say to you, you were in the service. I spoke to you through my servant. 
but you are fooling around. You're playing around. When I cried opportune, you didn't reorganize your schedule and your priorities to line up with the agency of the call. You went around with business as usual. I get worried by Christians whose life just goes on as usual. Nothing about them changes. They come to church. They go home. It was a nice sermon. It was a good sermon. What a wonderful thing. But their life never changes. It never goes anywhere. I get worried. But for as long as you come into the presence of God, God's not going to let you settle in comfort. God's going to push you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. I said, God's going to push you from faith to faith, from vision to vision. God's going to push you. God's going to change you, transform you, move you forward. So that when you look back many years later, you can't believe that was you. But you see, your life didn't get there by any miraculous thing. You just took hold of opportunities, opportunities, opportunities. I see you taking hold of opportunities. Somebody shout opportunity. And from now onwards, make this your decision. When I see opportunity... It dictates how I do my life. There's things, Mazalana, I've had to decide to walk away from. They were a hindrance for me. Opportunities, I, I walked away from some of them. They were wrong ones. Because there was a bigger picture. How are you going to order your life this year? Shall we stand on our feet, please? Jesus. This is what I want to ask you. As we stand, if you are to be honest to yourself, there's things that need serious adjustment. Some of you, during this lockdown, you've walked away from God. You've gotten yourself into strange things, strange behaviors. Gotten used to not going to church anymore. But today, there's this opportunity for God to press a reset button in your life. Some of you, you may be here for the first time. May you are not born again. You are not changed. You are not a child of God. But as you've been listening to the message, you realize something must change. I'm not here really to try and entertain you. I'm here because I'm worried about your eternal destiny. What will you do? How will you respond? Let's bow our heads please and close our eyes. If you say to me, you know what Bishop? I need prayer. In any of the areas you've mentioned, I need prayer. Today, with a sense of agency. I want to open my eyes to God's opportunity. And I want to take hold of it again. I need prayer. Bishop, please. Pray for me. My life is not where it should be. Pray for me. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need prayer. Without fear. Don't worry about who's looking at you. In any of the areas I've talked about. 
Raise your hand high. Let me see it. That's the way to do it. That's why we're here in church. We're here because we say, God, this is the altar. I bring my broken life because I know you're the only one. You're the only one. God, as we lift up our hands, I pray for every person here. I pray, God, that we will not be callous and stubborn, hard-headed, high-minded, and we will mock and scoff you, turn our nose to you when you are trying to reach to us and get us back on track. We've allowed opportunities to pass by. We commit to you to ask you to forgive us. We commit to you to ask you, God, to help us. And as I pray for these, your children, right now, I pray that you will meet them at the point of their need, every one of them, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and those of you who